What's up? You're listening to Fork the Product. I'm your host, Nick Casares. And I'm your other host, Zach Cohen. Fork the Product is a podcast that explores the intersection of blockchain, product, and user experience. We interview founders and builders to understand how they're approaching problems in the blockchain space. This show is brought to you in part by Polyant Labs. Nick, can you talk for a second about Polyant? Sure. Polyant is a blockchain-focused, early-stage startup incubator. We're headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona. And I say we're because in my other life, I'm the director of product for Polyant. Long story short, we help founders bring their ideas to life by providing them with early-stage funding, mentoring, and support with things like development, design, and marketing services. If you're an entrepreneur or developer and you have a vision that you'd like to discuss with Polyant, visit our website at polyant.io. That's P-O-L-Y-I-E-N-T dot I-O for more information. Great. Thanks for your support, Polyant. Now on to today's show. We apologize if the audio quality of this episode is a little bit different than what you've come to expect. The following episode was recorded live and on location at ETH Denver 2020. In this episode, we sit down with Rory Knudsen, the founder and creative director of Infinite Seed, a decentralized entertainment franchise incentivizing climate change adaptation. Welcome back to Fork the Product, everybody. We're here at ETH Denver 2020. We are on the ground. It's day one. And we are here uh, this afternoon with Rory Knudsen. And uh, Rory, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to. Um, well, let's see. I am a recovering academic um, and just happened upon this here in town. This is the place where I'm recovering from, I should say. <laughs> so quite delighted to find out that all these people were descending in Denver. I only found out about a week ago. Um, most of my blockchain and crypto experiences with people in Crypto Valley, in Switzerland, um, middle of Russia and increasingly Asia. And so, yeah, a little bit in Los Angeles and New York, but I had no clue. Uh, that people were paying attention here in the middle of well, the middle of nowhere and sometimes yeah. it's the middle of everywhere. Today yeah. it seems like the everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, so. so tell us more about what you're working on. I'm working on a project called Infinite Seed and it's taken um, a long time to build. Um, honestly, 10 years and I would say even longer than that oh. and 5.5 years, five and a half years I've been working on it pretty much full time. Um, Infinite Seed is, um, let me get started with actually how it got started, to be honest, because it's a little bit backwards for how yeah. I landed in blockchain crypto. Sure. That's like the last part of everything. Um, By the way, more than 10 years, you, you don't happen to be Satoshi, do you? <laughs> I can't reveal that though, can I? <laughs> I suppose you wouldn't, would you? Yeah, I don't look like Satoshi. No, but I, that's that's exactly what we're thinking, Satoshi. It is who? Yeah, exactly. She, exactly. Them. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so to go back to it, I, I, um, I've been living and working in Norway um, most of my adulthood. It's part of my, it's my heritage my, on my paternal side. And 10 years ago, actually, this year, I got a, um, a commission from the Norwegian Ministry of Foreign Affairs to go up to this place called Svalbard, which is the furthest north you can possibly go on the planet, to the, to, as close to the North Pole as you can possibly go. And I did a sound installation for an inaugural art biennial here in Denver called Biennial of the Americas. And I basically set up this live feed sound installation between Longyearbyen, the main city there, which is a mining town, and connected it back to Denver, which is economically a mining town. Um, okay. I'm an artist, architect. Uh, I can't call myself an architect in the States because I'm not licensed and plan to never be, but I can say that in, a, in a Europe. Um, 
and a writer also as well. And so um, when I got up to that location, it was really, uh, you know, I, I commenced this romance with this place, knowing it was going to go through tremendous changes in my lifetime um, with climate change. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the best climate science institutes in the country are here, uh, right down the road in Boulder. Um, yeah. Started working with those guys, and one thing led to another. A documentary film was born uh, the next year. My kid brother, who's a filmmaker in LA, came with me, and based on some of the people I'd met the year before, this documentary film was born. I did a couple more installations that were film-related um, in France and Norway, and then here stateside. And I thought, this is crazy. Like, it's the largest carbon contributor forever. Now it's China, but they're doing much more than we are to actually remedy this. I felt we had to really go to a larger audience to really make an impact somehow on and, and utilize film as an educational mechanism. One more documentary film that's browbeating and guilt inducing is not going to make a difference. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. How do we really do this differently? And uh, so I decided, you know, we have to go to Hollywood. So a science fiction feature was born, uh, maybe like two years later, and uh, wow. really trying to work subversively on how you build the messaging. But me as an art film person, not... <laughs> Hollywood sci-fi right. <laughs> had to go through all the ropes of starting to learn how to play in that system. And also there's a lot of imposters in that space and there's a lot of happens yeah. have never gotten theirs. Yeah. Um, I've been really lucky because I've worked in LA my entire career through the back door, through the art and architecture world, mm. totally 180 degrees opposite, like really amazing people on the ground, working with marginalized communities, all that stuff. Right. And so that's what happened. And then in my work, though, as an artist, an architect, and also, you know, an art filmmaker, my work has always been about how do you push people beyond the gaze relationship. So every installation I build is participatory. You become part of it. You add to it. You're, you're making physical space that sometimes moves into virtual also. Mm -hmm. So um, as the team was starting to build, we realized, you know, if we start doing this world building space, um, so that's the, 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 the feature film is it's set 100 years from now one future potential life, uh, scenario of life on Earth in 100 years, if we don't make the decisions that we need to make yeah. now, right? Um, not post-apocalyptic, though, I will say that. Um, but anyway, it's like, how do we actually get people to start, you know, you go inside that cinematic space, you're inspired, you're motivated, you come out and you go right back to your same old life. Sure. We have to build the tools to give people the accessibility to actually start contributing their own narratives, documenting in their own backyard, so to speak. And then this is where the blockchain part comes in. How the hell do we incentivize them to participate, right? Yeah. And actually revert this. I mean, invert the typical, you're not a consumer anymore. You're actually a producer in this future world scenario. Um, and so the idea of, of many stories coming into the platform is our intentionality. So the, the feature film actually, it really builds on real on the ground initiatives that are happening right now. Um, it starts out, you know, in Myanmar with Wow. a blockchain initiative there with a tree coin and it goes from there and shows where life can go in a hundred years um that's it so that's how i happened upon this so three years ago i was at and, and sorry throughout yeah. the, throughout the film is is blockchain a red thread through the entire narrative or is it just it is introduced as vignettes it is in vignettes but it's also done in a way to try to educate the everyday person on what this could be. What okay. is a tree coin? You know I mean? But you don't even want to see it like that. So we're still kind of tweaking the, the parts and pieces of it too. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, our do you want me to say what our pitch is? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's, it's great backstory. And yeah. it, it'll be interesting now that we have that to hear, again, the sort of elevator pitch to 
you know, anybody on the street who doesn't have a background in this stuff. Yeah. And then how you pitch it to anybody. Well, and that's what I was about to get into my story. And in, uh, in, in Oslo, almost three years ago, there was the initial catapult fest going on that I kind of helped bring some speakers to. It's something that goes on in the Nordic countries. And I met this amazing man who's a mentor of mine now within this space. Um, Who's from Zurich? So yeah, the Infinite Seed. I mean, this is our pitch. We're creating a decentralized entertainment world-building ecosystem. So we could insert franchise there, but world-building ecosystem that incentivizes people to adopt new behavior patterns with a positive impact on environmental disruption. So I mean, that's like so yeah. I was gonna say so massively huge. So yeah. so break it down for us a little bit, like from that vision level to how this would play out from the perspective of somebody watching in, seeing the movie being inspired and, you know, transferring that behavior to their life. Yeah. So the, the idea is that we have four initial products, two are films. Um, one is this original documentary that they're so impossible to get funded anyway, too. I mean, it's yeah. like it becomes a light <laughs> yeah. item in the other one. The sci-fi feature and the two are intertwined in narrative and they're both centered around the global seed vault. Okay. So if you've yep. the global seed yep. vault yep. in Svalbard. So yep. I got really lucky and started working with these people about six years ago. Um, At the seed vault? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I've been inside. Um, oh, wow. Amazing really before, cool, yeah. it, before it flooded or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, and so the idea is, you know, people come into the space within their own sort of comfort level, right? So if, if they happen to be a, a film cinephile, a film buff or whatever, say, knock on wood, you know, this actually moves in a direction we want it to um, as far as a film's concerned, um, they might go and wonder how they could download um, accessibility to that. So we're creating a mobile app that's called Me like as in you and me sure and it stands for my environment my uh ecosystem my energy my evolution my economics uh -huh. mm. and that mobile app is being built on the adena blockchain um which is a proof of person uh blockchain um okay. inside that space um you validate your identity mm -hmm. um through answering narratives um and from there you can goal set inside this app you know, so say you want to go walk in the woods three times a week. That's one of my, that would be one of my goals. I'm always on the computer. Um, what it does is instead of actually, you know, you logging your order, it just, it maps, you know, your movements like the, the phone sensors do. And then as you meet your targets, however many targets you decide to set, you know, set or whatever, um, you start building, you start gaining value inside your digital seed bank, you know? So you wake okay. up, yeah. you know, at the end of the month and you're like, holy crap, you know, I actually... I almost met what I needed to do, but by the way, I have an extra 250 bucks sitting here and whatever, you know? Yeah. And then that can be then exchanged on, you know, we're starting to have the conversations with what exchange platforms that would happen, but um, um, that's part of it. And then there's a future game okay. that's actually taking that, that, that future world scenario of life on earth in a hundred years. You know, I'll just give you the premise here. It's the global sure. cor corporation controls everything. You can think Monsanto, Bear, yeah, you know, yeah, Amazon, yeah. Disney, <laughs> yeah. Whole Foods all rolled into one big company. That's Is that like, weird? It's not set in 2020? I know, seriously. I know, we might get there closer. You know, that's yeah. what's so scary. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. as this is going on, you were watching that happen outside, and it's like, it makes us even, I don't know about you all, but it makes me want to move even faster. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And I think it's because, I mean, yeah, and again, using the film part as an educational tool of like, or an educational mechanism. That's really kind of the greatest intention there. But yeah, so the AR game down the road um, where, you know, you can backtrack into it. So we start putting these steps in motion in real time with the Me app, you know, 
one can link into the next. So those will be able to, you know, cross over sure. the game and the actual app itself. Sure. But we're heavy in development right there. It's like a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, but I will say this, that we did talk to uh, Niantic Labs a little over a oh, year yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. In regards to this. And so John Henke is quite interested, you know? Very he's been trying to He's been trying to figure out how to incorporate blockchain into, yeah. So yeah. one of the things that we're pretty big on because we both come from like traditional product backgrounds and we both work in products to some degree, um, you know, we're generally looking at things from a very business driven point of view. Yeah. And we're wondering like, you know, what's the ROI, where's the value and how are we sure that we're delivering that value to people at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, you're not going to build a business otherwise. Right. I'm curious what the thinking has been with your organization around like, how do we, how do we validate that we're giving people value? Um, I guess maybe even before you go build this thing, like have you had boots on the ground conversations with people and put concepts in front of them to sort of get reactions or anything like that? In regards to the actual traditional investors or? No, I'm actually investors? thinking about the end user experience. Oh, the end user yeah. experience, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the ROI for it, to me, I mean, it, it, we all have, okay, so this is me, I guess the recovering academic art speak is like, you know, every art student goes through that first class where you have to do the self-portrait. I feel like we're in this proverbial self-portrait phase with the selfie, mm -hmm. like ad nauseum to yeah. the point where you can see like Instagram took off because it's allowing people to become more sophisticated with how they curate their own content too. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's something I forgot to mention too. So the Dina, it's like privacy, you know, pr your data starts to work for you actually. Sure. Right. Part of that is how do we, how do we allow people to start funneling their content and their data on their own terms into, um, into avenues where it actually benefits them as opposed to not benefiting them. And I think that's a huge educational component that has to happen because I think a, the average person doesn't realize how much yeah. they're being exploited. Definitely. Seriously, like seriously exploited. How do you think we cross that chasm? Like from a user education point of view, because I think it's a pretty, you know, I have conversations with my friends and family. I'm a privacy advocate. Yeah. I try to, you know, have good privacy habits with my own usage of technology. When I talk to my friends and my family about it, they're not always even to that point in the conversation. They're like, I don't care. Like, I, I get to see pictures on Facebook. Right. You know, like, how do we have that conversation with users? And what are your thoughts around crossing that divide? I know. That's a really hard one, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And it's even, a really hard one. There are even people who do care, but not enough to put the effort in to investigate this. Or they don't have the technical, you know, understanding of how to seek that information. It's you know, and sometimes people are too comfortable, too. Right? Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Or you, you've got to hit a tipping point with the value too, right? right. To where it's like, okay, I, I will give up. I'll get off the uh, the technology convenience bottle because there's something on the other side that's actually worth it. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. yeah it's so, I mean, to go back to ROI, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, it's, I mean, I think that, you know, the process of, t uh, you know, evolving while you're doing it is really important. And I think as all, none of us would have imagined, you know, something like Facebook taking off the way it has. And then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, grandmothers yeah. <laughs> posting and, the, and their yeah. kids getting, I mean, so true, like yeah. their grandkids being embarrassed of what they're seeing, you know, sure. like this whole exposure of, I mean, I remember when I, start, when I started using social media in the beginning, it was like amazing. You're like finding all these old friends and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like something started to make my stomach turn. Yeah. Like Took something was just turn. too, too much. Right. It yeah. was like, where, where do you start to curate yourself and where do you start to curate how you engage with these platforms? Like, is it, is it specifically, you know, more of your professional life that you're showing or, you know, do you show, you know, 
the picture of your kid taking a, you know, having a diaper blow up in Central Park or whatever. You know, that, that was on, on Facebook for me for yeah. years. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, so that's, I mean, it's a really good question. I think that's something that we have to constantly be evaluating as well. I think our, our intention with the Me app, we haven't gone, we haven't gone beta yet, is that we start to actually market this with certain community groups, you know, with folks that actually understand Art collectives, for one, we're working uh, potentially with the winter sports industry, mm -hmm. um, folks being able to monitor what's going up in the mountains, you know. Um, right. um, uh, another one is uh, regenerative agricultural folks that are working inside film. They're actually working to educate farmers, you know. And so there's a way sure, that we okay. can actually, uh, to me, it looks like it's, it's, it's about starting to really partner with other initiatives as well and seeing how you can cross over. And that's, I was going to talk about the biggest part of um, what's taken so long on this project has been, we are truly working interdisciplinary, you know, yeah. climate science, you know, the art world, um, film industry, hardcore, and it's an econ economists, obviously, yeah. uh, and getting everybody on the same page to speak the same language, even though we're speaking the same language <laughs> in our own silos, sometimes it takes a long time to realize, oh my God, that word means this because it means that. Yes. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. So we have to do the same, I think, with people. So it's like baby steps. Sure. Yeah. But our goal is, you know, if you make it entertaining and if you make it fun and there's a value gained from this, oh my gosh, yeah, I do have 15 bucks in my digital bank account because I yeah. worked in the woods or whatever. Yeah. Then it starts to change the behavior, hopefully, subtly. Yeah. With those pockets of, I guess, early testers that you mentioned and these different communities that you're trying to connect to, have you given thought to what the feedback loop would look like to, I guess, give you that early feedback that yes, we are driving value and yes, this is on the right trajectory to have the impact that we want to make. Yeah. How to so, so repeat the question one more time. So have you thought about the early feedback loops that you're looking at to, to measure that? Yeah, I don't know. You know, to be honest, I'm not to that point yet. That's going to be the marketing people on my end. Um, one of the things I know is, you know, uh, as people start to share this, they gain value for that too. So if we start to see numbers rise, that'll be good. Sure. I, I'm really a very much a very one-on-one -on -one kind of person. So I'd actually like to get in and start talking to some of these folks that are using it. And, yeah. um, and you know, I mean, that to me is how you best, this is, I was a journalist in the beginning of my career too, right? So that, that comes down to it. It's like really trying to understand the other. And um, I'm a UX person at heart, so I, I get it. Like <laughs> you, you have to talk to people. You really do. Yeah. I don't, I, to me, I, so I'm coming in from a completely non-business background. I am an entrepreneur, you know, I grew up with entrepreneurs, but I'm also like, I don't care about sending some product onto the world that's just to make money. I mean, if it's not making a true difference somehow, then we need to figure out where we're misaligning somehow. You yeah. know? And I think that's really important to be sure you're on the ground with yeah. people also. Yeah. There was, so, I mean, you've talked about you have, I think, a background that is different than a lot of folks here at Eat Denver. You have a lot of, you know, you work with people internationally. Um, I would love to hear what that experience has been like for you broadly engaging in maybe the crypto community, uh, you know, in Europe, uh, and also how that may differ from what it's like here at East Denver. Yeah. Um, so yeah, take yeah. that any direction you so, want. So I just got here. <laughs> I'm anxious to, to, uh, to start talking to some people. I am hosting somebody at my house though, which is the conversation this morning was amazing. I got really lucky. I was at, um, I was in Oslo in May of, of uh, 2017 just happened to have dinner with a friend of mine and this man named Richard, o Richard Olson showed up for dinner and um, he's pretty much 
he's like the great grandfather of crypto. I mean, he's been in the business for a long time. He created Awanda. And uh, if you know this exchange platform. That, anyway, oh, yeah, I think I've For heard. Fiat. Um, yeah. So um, one thing led to another, and I ended up doing an educational film series in a studio there. The guy who in, started um, Catapult had a little, you know, film studio. And so I did this educational series with a woman who was um, kind of on the scene back three years ago. And then came to find out that I was actually doing this film series for Richard Olson's company called Lika, which means good fortune in Danish, Norwegian. Um He's based in Zurich, but uh, one thing led to another. And as I was editing those videos, the director of communication at the time, she said, I think you need to come and, and document us high up in the Alps this summer as we have our meetup. Because they were they had a bunch of people all over the world that were working for them at that time. So sure enough, I get on the plane with my, my director of photography and my, at the time, nine-year-old son. And we go and we shoot all these interviews. And for me, it was like the journalist side of me. Yeah. I had the ability to ask all these questions and meet this amazing group of people that they put together. And so one thing led to another. And I remember sitting, we shot Richard's, Richard's interview two times because the noise was really loud on the first and the second one. He had me in tears in regards to what the vision was, you know, yeah. for what this could do to revolutionize finance for the planet. And I, I just thought, oh, there's so many situations I've been in where this would have saved somebody's life. Yeah. I've been in situations where it would have saved a project. Yeah. People would have been taken care of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to follow this man. You know, but one thing led to another and all these other people I started to meet at that event actually, you know, uh, I just kept asking questions after we all left. And yeah. one of them, the uh, direct uh, co-founder of uh, Lika, his name is Sergei Ivliev, and um, he's now working with us on the MEAP development. So it's been really one of those things you just have to persevere i guess too and um as far as what's going on downstairs it's amazing to see this happening in denver i've always i coming back to denver this school year and i'm like oh gosh yeah. <laughs> cow city <laughs> all these people moved here for pot uh, you know yeah. it's like but actually i mean something's happening and i grew and, up in yeah. denver so i can relate to that oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> yeah. And, and i think what's one of the things that you know nick and i are really fascinated about with you know the ethereum community right now is crypto art in particular. And there are a bunch of installations and things around yeah, here that yeah. I, I'm sure will be pretty interesting to you given your background. So I just passed through it and get a chance because I was looking for you all. But yes, actually, this has been a huge part of the work I've done in the past part of this project was I've, I've worked with bottom-up city planning processes with cities like Copenhagen. Yeah. And the artists, uh, you know, we're all, we've always moved into the ghetto, ghetto, quote unquote, part of the city and made it more beautiful. Most of the time in the past, it's been able, we've been able to align with the folks that actually live there. So in Denver, the Highlands, I used to live there back before it was what it is now. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, it was amazing. It was like, you know, my kids went to school with Latinos and buying tamales on the street corner. And I loved this. And that was like the spot where the artists lived and, because it was inexpensive. It was right downtown. Mm, yeah. And um, but then everybody gets pushed out. Right. So we, we worked on a couple. I should say we um, my main tech partner and I had started an organization 10 years ago uh, at the same time. This was kind of starting where we worked with some pretty big cities, Copenhagen, got invited in to work with the city of Copenhagen. And that was piggybacked on bringing students from the University of Colorado there for a couple of summers. And, um, you know, it, that in, in that Detroit, we did something in South Central Los Angeles and Watts neighborhood. And it's like, you know, here in Denver in, a, in the neighborhood also. And it's like we get invited in to be part of the discussion, start the process of what 
what temporal development can look like. It's mm -hmm. kind of like hackathons, you know, like yeah, Ashra sure, and sure. architecture school, like let's generate some ideas, but we were actually working with the local stakeholders, the local yeah. you know, neighborhood. And then, um, yeah, we always got exploded, you know? Yeah. Because we're so thirsty to be part of something that actually makes a difference in everyday life for people. Um, but, but municipalities can be quite, they're ego driven and they're political and they're, yeah. they're messy, you know? And so that's where this started from too. I'm like, what the hell, you know, the, the, the creative industries, the creative sector, really, we give so much of us away, you know? Yeah. So true. We, well, and yeah. it's so yeah. hard to quantify. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't necessarily need to be a, a picture on a, a gallery wall, but uh, but that's a starting point, right? Yeah. And, um, and I think for me too, yeah, that's been a big part of this is how do we incentivize um, not just the, the people to participate, but also how do we uh, raise the level for folks um, first from the creative sector on, on, on what they do. But I mean, we're all artists from the very beginning, you know, when we start life. And to me, yeah. I see that as, as a, it's a universal thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, algorithms are very sexy, you know what I mean? That's very creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll close this out here with a, a question kind of following on to your experience here at Denver. But you mentioned that you came to this world not as a technologist. You came to it from a different type of background. I'm curious, you know, whether it's in the past few years or the entire time, what's been your experience transitioning into this world? And I'm asking more from the perspective of, what do people that are immersed in this stuff every day need to do to make this conversation more accessible? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, so for me, I mean, I had a biology background a long, long time ago before I switched to journalism. I think there's a lot that happens within what I do as an architect too, where there's terminology, orthogonal program code, all that stuff is really relevant. And in biology, the idea of looking at like protein, you know, structures and things like that, there's a lot that's like already in our everyday lives that needs to be, um, yeah, just to bring down the jargon, right? So I when I talk to somebody who doesn't have a clue about this, I mean, that's the one thing I tested too with the global seed vault, you know, um, that I, I could gauge if the idea that we were generating was good, if people kind of had an idea of what that, that space was and how that's a really important symbol for the future of agriculture. Well, it is the future of agriculture, but uh, as a symbol, as a mythology, something like that. Same with this. It's like I start to explain, um, I remember back in the day in the 90s when like, that thing called email was really strange. I couldn't imagine right. it like you write a letter and then you send it and then it comes back to you. That's exactly yeah. what this is. I mean, that's, and that's how the guys in blockchain in Zurich explained it to me in the very beginning, you know, and as you start to then build on top of that. Um, right. And of course, young, the younger generation. In terms of money as a message or. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly yeah. too. Oh, I do that too. Like, okay, this is the thing too. This is what I say. It's like, okay, you're into cats. I'm into dogs. And like, we decide we want to exchange something. And like, you have, what is it, cat coins and I have dog coins, then we, we have a, a common way of trading the value or whatever. Right. I mean, I have to put it into carrots and yeah. apples or whatever. You know, it's like sure. do some sort of analogy that's really like obvious. Like think yeah. about talking to your five-year-old, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the five-year-old would probably get it before like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. It's really easy. And I think that's some of the things too, I go back to thinking about the first sort of like transactions you ever made when you were a child, the lemonade stand, trying to sell your old stuffed mm. animals at the garage sale. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, and starting to think back to how we began to think about money in the first place, too, yeah. it's really important as well. I think it's really like, it's so basic, 
It's an almost, that's what's so complicated. Well, it's so basically taken exactly. for granted. It's exactly. just this infrastructure that runs under, underneath our lives. Right. And we don't ever give it a second thought, but when yeah. you actually do think about it, it's like, this is actually a very basic concept. Exactly. Another example I bring up too is like, think about, you know, um, well, what's happened in Venezuela, right? But yeah. I, I put the example of Haiti. All the money that didn't get to the victims that were donated in, this would have eradicated that. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. It's that simple because that was that people still remember that it was yeah. that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's there's got to be a, a space for a separate project out there. Maybe a, a, there's a design project called the Noun Project, which is basically a way to it looks at iconography and it looks mm -hmm. at every kind of term that you could think of and trying to assign visual language to those things in a universal way that's universally meaningful. And I yeah. feel like there's a space in this space to do the same thing with terminology and use cases where yeah. we have things that we can point to in the world for the common person mm -hmm. or, or the person who doesn't know this stuff and give them something to attach, you know, real value to yep. and meaning. So, yeah, there, there was also this fascinating uh, discussion that I heard recently around uh, a study of memes, particularly in the blockchain and crypto space and evaluating like, what is, what are the components of a given meme that, you know, what is a, a what are the components that you need to build a, an effective meme? And they evaluated things like uh, magical internet money and how effective that is. And the truth is you actually need localized memes to cater to different audiences yeah, um, yeah. and meet yeah. them where they're at, yeah. which I think is, it, it is really challenging to communicate it in, you know, to all these diverse audiences in ways that they will understand it while having one single standard across the board universally. So yeah. it's a challenge for us to figure out. No, it totally. And I think I think what's really amazing right now is what I see happening. And again, I'm not a I didn't come from a business background whatsoever is the so I have the partnership idea of not everybody has to fill, you know, you don't have to be the big unicorn anymore. Mm -hmm. It's right. like really yes. finding the right partners that yeah. fill a void that you can't do. And oh my gosh, what a relief that is because yeah. You can take that pressure off me. But in the meantime, for instance, I have a tech partner in, in Norway that's creating an agnostic, an OS system. It's, it's device agnostic. Um, the message that they, they put out there is still too technological. But what they're doing is genius. You know, I'm like, oh, we, you know, we can build this inside of our sci-fi feature, embed that inside of the, you know, here's the good guys and the bad guys and then the subs of the really like underground people. Right. And that's your system right there. <laughs> right. So people that get this, that could be like, I don't know, yeah, hackers and total dorks, you know, like they'll go into that system already, but you start to build the use um, yeah. with that and it starts to spread in that capacity too. And I just feel like in ours, it's like, hopefully, you know, the, the script is good enough to get the right talent involved. We're getting close to that, but um, I would love to see it take off as like a, a, a film franchise where there's other contributors coming in and adding mm -hmm. stories, right? So it's not, you know, the Batman franchise with like the next director who's the big whatever. It's like, actually there's somebody from Myanmar that actually has a really amazing story that could be a short film from this. It's or our, somebody it's our from shared Seven. future. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's what I say, like this proverbial um, self-portrait phase. I really feel like we're, humanity's thirsty for the next <laughs> substance, you know? Yeah. yeah. We're seeing it happen. Well, this has been a, Awesome conversation. Yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. Thanks I'm for, thanks well, for coming in to talk to us. Yeah. Um, I feel really grateful to have met you both too. So likewise. Likewise. Well, Where can people go to find you? Uh, right now our website is not, uh, it's being redone, infinite seed 
dot is okay. a good place to go and there's a sign up you know link there too um that's a starting point we're on facebook okay. um not so so active on our own material you know uh twitter we have all the social media accounts but yeah we've been deep diving and cleaning house last year and this is the year we're starting to be more, more public so stay tuned and uh yeah well awesome. we're, we're grateful to have you uh as part of your you know uh, ramp up to communicate I, what you're doing to the world thank you i feel really lucky starting my day in the press box up here this is like my old roots you know like <laughs> back when we had to learn how to use email so it like feels the exactly <laughs> it all comes full circle it does actually really yeah. does yeah awesome so, well enjoy the rest of the circus and the rest of the weekend thank um, you we'll see you around cool awesome thanks 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 for tuning in to another episode of Cork the Product. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with all your crypto friends. See you next time.